All right. Welcome to Contributors, an open source software podcast presented by Rackner. My name is Alex Raul, and I'm here with Zach and Marcel from Red Hat to talk about the Log Anomaly Detector Project. So how are you guys doing today? We're doing good. Yeah, great. Awesome. So let's get right into it with a little bit about the project as a whole. So what's the purpose of the Log Anomaly Detector? Uh, Why was it created? Uh, so the, the, the project, uh, you know, as I met, as you mentioned, it's called log anomaly detector and, um, we think logs are, are boring, uh, logs are, uh, and we want to automate the boring stuff with machine learning. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure developers, you know, don't wake up in the morning to, to go into work and just to see their app crash and be excited to read the logs. Like, yes, my app crashed and. Yes, I'm reading. I get to read so much, so many lines of blogs, right? Um, it's it's kind of a uh, it's it's these ty- type of things that we'd, we'd like to find ways to automate. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things is like root cause analysis, right? When something right. happens, you have to go through a lot of other different systems and try to find where where your, the problem occurred. Um, and yeah, the near-term goal is to identify what what's ab- abnormal behavior in, in logs and to notify an admin to, to, to uh, take a look at a system. Right. And so this process, uh, you know, I, I looked at the docs to some extent, the GitHub. So this process is automated through the use of some some type of machine learning, right? So it's not just um, it's it's not just you know like regex or anything. No, no, it's 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 machine learning. Um, we're we're actually using uh, natural language processing to mm-hmm. um, to understand the logs, and then we feed that uh, the the meaningful like the natural language processing is going to turn into meaningful vectors that are going to be fed into a machine learning model that's going to predict mm-hmm. what um, logs are abnormal, right? Um, and with with all systems like the best systems in the world, um, machine learning systems may have false positives. Um, the other day, my, uh, my my little sister, you know, was using my my mom's cell phone, and she opened she opened it with Face ID. So sometimes these systems that we have are not always one hundred percent correct. So there has to be a way for humans to get feedback. So we built custom feedback loop into the into the system. Um, to further try to enhance uh, or try to catch the, the, the failed, pr- the false predictions and try to improve the system. Right. So I want to get a little more into that uh, and a little more into how exactly it works uh, in a bit. But I'm that host that loves to ask about my um, guest background. So why don't you guys give me just a quick high level uh, overview of how you sort of got into the industry and how you got to Red Hat and sort of started working on this project in particular. Uh, and why don't we start with Marcel? Yeah, sure. Maybe um, I'm one of the older guys here. So I'm a really, <laughs> I'm almost grand uh, dad uh, when it comes to computer tech. So I'm 44 years old, um, have three kids and I've started uh, poking around with Linux and open source uh, 25 years ago. Um, I was compiling my own kernel on my um, main board that was hanging on the wall, etc. And at that time, uh, Linux was ubiquitous at universities. Um, so I was studying computer science and um, was more 
hacking on my computer than actually studying. And at one point we found out, yeah, hey, we can actually make money out of um, that. So we founded our first um, company, which was a, a Linux consulting company. And mm. that was 2000 something. And at that time, maybe you remember mm. there was this uh, um, financial bubble, bursting, etc. So we got investment money, but it um, all went uh, bankrupt. And I, I started uh, just freelancing, and then came to Red Hat like 10 years ago, acting as a solution mm-hmm. architect. So my I'm really rooted in the open source world. So I've seen the sales side, I've seen the um, engineering side. And even um, as a solution architect at Red Hat, there was a lot of traveling involved, um, so I quit the job and went back to um, freelancing, got my kids uh, raised, and like three years ago, I came back to Reddit and always um, almost felt like com- coming back to family because it was still doing the same open source stuff, but now doing it in a larger and a more enterprise environment. And that's uh, that's what I call luck, that we um, get paid for the stuff that we would for free anyways so <laughs> if if i would be rich on bitcoin i would still be writing open source code i i guess maybe bitcoin open source code i don't know <laughs> and, and so so I, I started as a programmer um as a coder in um in the CloudForms product um which is a um, manage your uh, hybrid cloud environment within amazon and uh, OpenShift and uh, stuff management solution uh, written in Ruby on Rails because I was a Ruby on Rails programmer. And then like a year ago, I had the super, super good opportunity to join the CTO office um, on that newly founded AI center of excellence, which uh, we're now Mm -hmm. working in. So now I have the opportunity to learn more about AI and machine learning and how we can apply that um, to our IT industry. Very cool. That's yeah, it. I saw. So it's sort of the AI ops uh, paradigm. So wh- yeah. wanna, Zach, how about how about a little bit from you? How did you how did you get there? So so uh, so, so I've I've uh, I've been at Red Hat for the last five and a half years. Um, mm-hmm. I I used to work in a research department um, doing uh, open source. It's called the Center of Development of Open Technology. It's at uh, Seneca at York University in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to meet some really good professors like, you know, David Humphrey and Andrew Smith that, that have been working with open source for over 10 years. And pretty much, uh, we worked on, on projects, research projects, industry, um, funded research projects and learned a lot, um, really enjoyed open source. Um, and yeah, now, now that I'm, I'm in open source in industry. Um, now I get to work with students and do the same collaboratory thing in, in the research field with, you know, uh, university in the in the U.S. Uh, where I'm, I'm doing similar stuff to what my professors do, which is try to uh, lead a research initiative around um, around this uh, technology. And, uh, and yeah, um, I've, I've spent a couple of years in consulting and. Um, uh, majority of the time here at Red Hat in the engineering group, uh, in middleware 
and and now in the CTO office for the last uh, year and a half. And, and yeah, I'm enjoying it, having fun, working out. Awesome. So what was the um, what was the reason that this project was created? So it, I think you mentioned about uh, Marcel that it was about a year ago that it was started. Um, pretty young project. Um, so what was the reason for creating it? Was it was that sort of an internal mandate? Is this project in use at Red Hat? Um, what, what's some of the background behind the project? Yeah, maybe I can talk a little bit um, to that. Um, it's actually started as an intern project a year okay. ago. So if you take a step back um, at AI and Red Hat and you wonder probably what is Red Hat an infrastructure company they're doing about AI? We usually just sell Linux boxes, right? And um, it's not just Linux boxes, but we have a portfolio of um, 10 or 20 more products um, really up the stack. And if we are thinking about uh, what could AI mean in that context, it's A, running AI as a workload on top of um, Linux and OpenShift and Kubernetes, etc. But also, how can we apply AI to our own industry? And uh, essentially, our industry as Red Hat is writing software, not only writing software, but writing open uh, software in an open source fashion. So in the end, uh, it's the same as other companies uh, writing software, but we do it in the open, right? And uh, mm -hmm. if we want uh, to apply AI to that and uh, to ops, pick some of the two or three domains involved within writing software or uh, running software in the operations domain. And it's uh, pretty obvious that it's either metrics emitted by systems or it's log files emitted by systems or your applications. And as Zach mentioned uh, uh, earlier, it's really boring to read logs. Nobody reads logs. And even if somebody would read logs, uh, they would miss the important uh, bits of the log file. So we had an intern project working on anomaly detection on logs. And the person who started this um, is also now a member or a, an um, employee in our team. Mm -hmm. And he's working with Zach. That's, his name is Michael Clifford. And uh, he's more on the data science part. And yeah, that's how it started. And now it's um, it started as a just... As a notebook, you implement a model around it, and then you think about how to put it into production, or not even production, but how to run it somewhere, and all the engineering bits fall together and um, come together um, that are supporting this project. And so it all started. So let's talk a little bit about how it runs. So how generally is this implemented? I, I saw on the logs that this is it's unsupervised machine learning um, so I'm assuming the data set is individualized to each deployment, uh, but how, how generally does the project work? So, so generally, you just um, as long as you have Elasticsearch and you mm -hmm. keep your logs into Elasticsearch, it's, it's basically a, a plug-and-play um, okay. uh, solution. Um, we're actually looking to have more different data sources. Um, so we have local file. Um, we may extend and add, add more data sources to plug into like, you know, other cloud storages, right? And and also we're very interested in also Splunk data source uh, to 
to, to be able to plug into that and, and do some processing there as well. So um, that's where we're, we're, we're also doing this in the open and would, would love to have contributions externally from folks that, mm -hmm. um, that have different storage systems. For us, we just use Elasticsearch, but um, uh, also another system that we're looking at is also Loki, which is very interesting. Um, uh, and it's also on the roadmap that we might uh, try to pull, pull log data from there as well. Mm -hmm. So if, you're, and if your question is, um, how do I run this um, or how it's implemented, um, I think you can approach it from two levels. First is, how, do I, would I, how would I install this thing? And as containers and modes 2 and cloud native is the new way, and uh, we are also heavily in, invested in it, it's all running inside a container, right? So mm -hmm. you can deploy this thing on any Kubernetes runtime orchestration environment. You could also just spin it up as a container on your local machine, on your uh, Linux box or on your MacBook and just uh, start it up, point it to a log file and it will happily um, create its model on top of it. And upon new log entries being fed in, it will detect some anomalies or not. And if you're asking from the inside, that's what Zach just explained. Um, it's a pretty, pr pretty uh, like three-tiered application. So you have the ingestion part, which um, might talk to Elastic. That's what we started out with. But it also talks um, or can read from log files or in the future, like Splunk. And then we have the modeling part where the anomaly detection happens, where all the uh, mm -hmm. machine learning and the AI magic happens. That's also exchangeable. And then you obviously want to get notified on alerts. And that's uh, how emails are being sent out or um, how do you what's monitor this thing via Grafana, etc. Right. I think that's a great high-level um, setup. So, so what more, more generally talking about the, you know, you, you mentioned that you want people to contrib contribute to this project and you're doing it out in the open. What's the makeup of the community right now? Is it mostly just uh, the team within Red Hat working on it? Do you have outside contributors? Yeah, we, we do have outside contributors um, from external companies. And uh, mm -hmm. we do have um, uh, academics that are currently uh, working on the next contributing machine learning models to mm -hmm. extend this further. Um, but yeah, primarily day to day, it's um, uh, it, it's it's a community project first, and, and we do everything in the open. Uh, we don't have a, a private version of this; we just everything's all open. Yeah. But I, I, I would say it's a, it's a very uh, not very, but it's it's a young project, so you won't see right. too much outside contributors um, there yet. Uh, Interestingly enough, the first contribution was from IBM, <laughs> but that was before IBM uh, signed the deal with us, and it's just coincidentally. Um, but that was 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 a funny thing that uh, suddenly some IBM people um, started um, uh, appearing there. But as Zach mentioned, uh, this con um, collaboration with universities is is a great deal as they have mm -hmm. a lot of students looking into the data science uh, bits, 
but they are not so much interested in connecting something to a logging system or so. And um, just working on the data science part gives you contributions on the well and on the AI and the machine learning models. Right. So how do you, uh, you know, you mentioned the project is young. How do you classify the future of the project as far as getting to, you know, that first place where you feel that it's production ready? Is that, is that a major goal of the project to make this thing, you know, something that people can pick up and use easily? Is that something that's a little further out or how do you classify, you know, the next couple of years of, or year of the project, depending on how you look at it? So actually, actually, we're working currently to make it production ready. We have one internal team using it. Um, Zach is working closely with them to make it useful and uh, fine tuning the various settings uh, to a to a threshold or to a, to some degree that it's actually finding anomalies. But mm-hmm. it's always. A, so, so it's not like a software that you just start up and it magically happens. It's right. with all AI-related work and especially with that kind of um, stuff, you will always have to integrate it. So no logging system is um, similar than – well, they, they are similar, but they are not the same as the others. Um, so you would need to have tune on the ingestion part or you have to tune on the um, pre-processing part. But um, – I think we are very close to having one success story internally, and then we try to replicate it um, internally again and again. And if there are some open source projects, um, maybe in the Fedora community, maybe we can um, implement it there. Or if we get some contributions from outside and people are running in their in their data centers or in their app settings. And, and 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 just to to further add to that, like you know, um, like some some ambitious goals, like for for the future, like you know, the stretch goals are like, you know, having AI detect these abnormal behaviors, but also maybe um, when they see see warning signs, be able to do preemptive action or remediate an issue when a problem actually occurs, um, mm-hmm. and. And without the human, uh, like being in the loop, uh, like actually being able to be very accurate and actually uh, finding the abnormal behavior and actually going off and, and fixing it, um, because sometimes, like you know, um, there's so, some things that you know the machines can, can can you know like maybe they they can they can be automated and fixed right rather than have have it go through like many layers of support and and, and then you know. Uh, yeah, just having the system you know, self-fix by itself, right? But this is all research, and, and we're trying right. to come up with more cutting-edge solutions. But uh, definitely, um, yeah, it's a very we have ambitious goals as well. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the community. So, you know, you mentioned it's um, still it's still an early project that's in its, in its early stages. Um, what, if you were to, you know, have a a question or ask for certain types of contributors to become involved in the project. What do you think the project can most use? Is it, you know, you mentioned you already have sort of the university angle working on the data science piece. Is it really the connectors that need to be created or what's, what's sort of not holding the project back, but what's most needed? Um, different data sources. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, um, 
maybe different implementations of, of models, maybe labeled data sets would also help as well. Having labeled data sets, uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's good. We're doing unsupervised, so uh, there's no labels. We're, we're trying to predict it as, as much as accurately as possible. Um, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. So first and foremost, use the project, try it uh, in your environment. And that uh, um, if you're running in a Kubernetes environment already, that should be pretty straightforward. Um, but this data sets angle that uh, Zach just touched on, I think that's also really worthwhile because it's not only this project, but uh, it's another community, basically. So um, if you compare the open source software communities um, like we had it up until now so to say um, open opening up the source code and making the source code freely available was one part but now with ai and ml applications um, we have a, another dimension to the software and that's the data part so the software itself is is also uh, meaningful, but you also would want to train your model on data. So either you need data to create a model and then redistribute it, or you need data to come up with new models. So um, that's like a second layer in that uh, community, and that's true for all the other AI ML projects out there, that you need new freely available data sources. And uh, if you look at communities like Kaggle or, um, well, I forgot the other name of that um, data community, but anyway, there there are lots of data sets on images. There are lots of data sets on um, speech and on text, etc. But there's a real scarcity on data sets on the IT domain. So you won't find curated large data sets on log files. You won't find uh, large curated data sets on metrics. So contributing back something from your environment where you actually encountered an outage or you encountered some anomalies and you would have that data set curated and sent back and make freely available so that in turn universities and other people can develop new modeling approaches to t detect that anomaly that's a that would be also a huge win that's awesome so last question on my end what is the best way for someone to start contributing to this project uh you know is is there a good first place for people to get involved Uh, yeah, I, I could I, I could mention some stuff. So I have some Git issues that are labeled first good first issues, um, and also under the contribute guideline at the bottom of that document, we have our, our Git handles. So um, if anybody is new to, to open source, you know they can they, they can you know uh, reach out to us in the issue. They can tag us on there, and and then we'll get these notifications by email, and then we'll. We'll, ha we'll start discussions there. Um, but uh, definitely data sets, if they have data sets, would be great if they want to contribute their data sets. Um, if they want to update, make fixes to documentation, they want to contribute code as well. That's that's also another thing. I've, I've created many, many issues on, around that. Um, and also, uh, if they want to develop new modeling techniques as well, they can reach out to us and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll try to include them in our next... Um, uh, model development. Uh, 
and yeah, we're we're, we're oh, yeah we're, we're we're looking for users as well. If if folks use mm-hmm. this and they have feedback for us of how you know things that they they find you know uh, that they need for doing these type of things, so um, it'd be great to get feedback as well. So all those things. Uh, Marcel, do you want to add anything? Yeah, it's all all happening up on GitHub. So. Um just browse the project, have a look at the issues, like Zach said. And uh, as most of you probably know, Oktoberfest or Hacktoberfest is coming up next month. And I think Zach also wants to label some of the low-hanging fruit and easy starter issues with an Hacktoberfest issue, um, a, a label tag. Um, so that would be a great way to get started. And if you have two PRs, merged i think you get a free t-shirt oh wow okay <laughs> so if, if you don't cool. know of hacktoberfest definitely look it up um, and maybe do another webcast on it very cool all right well that was great uh thank you zach and marcel for appearing on the show i think it was a really cool project and it's good to see ai ops projects being done out in the open uh, which i think there's probably not enough of so thank you guys again for appearing on the show Awesome. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you.